0: thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org.
1: Enjoy the podcast! It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying.
2: And welcome to the weekly review here at Teachers Talk Radio, Sunday 23rd of July. It is uh, summer holidays for some, but not for all. So some of us have uh, no Sunday dread today. Some of us still pushing on for the last couple of days. But you join us with quite a lot of stories. Uh, Today we're joined by Leanne, uh, by Brent and by John to talk through some of the topics of the week in education. Now, first up... uh, Reported in the Independent this week, uh, Tory minister ridiculed for claiming private school costs the same as a family holiday. This was Gillian Keegan, who said, uh, Plenty of parents choose to forego life's luxuries to give children these opportunities. Uh, She's come under fire because the average private school cost uh, for a year is £16,000. Uh, And we would be looking at it's uh, reported under £2,000 families are expected to spend on travel this year. Is this just another uh, story of our education secretary being completely out of touch with what's going on in the world? I'm going to throw to Brent, first of all.
3: Yeah, absolutely, bang out of order. I mean, I'd love to know what an average family holiday the government ministers are having. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, that's the, I, I I travel around the world and less than a thousand five hundred pounds, albeit it was the nineteen nineties. But with inflation, that's probably twice that. This is ridiculous. Um, this is the same as sort of saying to young people that they should you know save for a house by stopping our avocado toast. It's this kind of nonsense that's got us into this cost of living crisis. And also this this complete of focus on private schools and the complete ignoring and gaslighting of what's actually going on in the bulk majority of schools in the country. Some children won't get a holiday. I just come off an activity week where I have a range of children who have done activities and then a range of children who have never done activities. There are some children who won't have a holiday this 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 six weeks. They'll be looking to get a free meal this six weeks with, with the, the free meal situation. So I think it's completely tone deaf. I think it's, it's in a line I've heard before about People who have struggled to get their children into private education. There is a, a group of people who do uh, sacrifice at the top of the range Land Rover, maybe, or a top of the range car to get their children into a, into a um, into a private school. But a holiday shouldn't be in the sixth wealthiest wealthiest country in the world. Something that people should be guilty about. Um, some of the greatest memories I've had as as a family were with holidays, and and I grew up in a very very poor background, but we still had a holiday because that's what we need. People work hard; they should be rewarded for that. So it's completely tone deaf, completely bang out of order, and just shows you
2: again um, how out of touch with reality our, our government minister is. And I'm going to throw to John. Um, do you think, is this tone deaf or is this out of touch? It's, it, it is tone deaf. It is out of touch. It's it's one of those moments
0: where you get a kind of Freudian slip from certain aspects of our, of our establishment, particularly Conservative Party, who reveal the class assumptions that they have behind them. It's a bit like years ago, I remember a Tory minister saying something like, well, uh, there was a there was a, a fuel shortage. He said, well, go down to your garage and get a get a, uh, get a a jetty can, and uh, you've probably got some something in the garage, a jetty can, and things like that, the kind of assumption that, well, an, a, a misunderstanding of the lives of ordinary people, whether it's attacks on, on people's extra bedrooms in council houses, or it's an ongoing sense in which they don't really know. It's not, it's not just Gillian Keegan and her crassness and stupidity it's also a a, 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 a fundamental failure to understand the lives of ordinary people
2: and and leanne what's your take on this you know we are in a cost of living crisis there will be families who can't go on holiday this year without sending thinking about sending their children to private school people just don't have the money is this something that we we should be focusing on or, or bringing up from our government
1: yeah, I agree with John. I think there's not enough variety on the cabinet or even back benches, front benches. I know the, the primary private school scene changed a lot after COVID. I think a lot of like two family household incomes went to one and, the, you know, kids have either been pulled out of private schools or maybe have had to make different decisions than they would have before COVID. But I think we talk about it a lot and there's a, definitely something in government that doesn't understand what's going on in schools. Um and uh, state
2: schools, yeah, regular schools. Yeah. I know, you know, I'm going to go back to Brent and just kind of ask about this, you know, how, if we are, you know, facing this this kind of misunderstanding of uh, where the country is at and where education is at and, and the real challenges people are facing, how, how are teachers supposed to get that message across to the government at the moment?
3: <laughs> well... We've gone on strike, haven't we? Um, And although I was preparing conditions, a lot of us went on strike to highlight and focus the attention on schools, and focus the attention on budgeting. And one of the positives come out of that is the realization that there isn't a magic money tree in schools, that schools' budgets are very, very, very um, tight at the moment. So I think we we have done a good job of highlighting that, um, that there is tight money. I know that during the summer, some of my colleagues will be going in um, to deliver meals to 88 families within our community. A holiday is not something they can afford, never mind a private school. And that is a deindustrialized area of Derbyshire, which is re- which is much like indicative of many parts of the Midlands of the North. So that comments like this are completely out of touch with not only the cost of living crisis, but the social care crisis, the education crisis, the health crisis, the crisis that is across the whole of sections of society. And if this is the only comment that the, the education minister can, can make that people just have to, you mean know, it's this sort of stiff upper lip, you know, almost like this war attritional thing of, oh, yes, we'll write it out, just stiff upper lip, you know, just give up a holiday or two, you know. It, I don't know what parallel universe that they actually think we're living in when I'm dealing with child poverty. Children saying that they're happy to do PE lessons because they get a, they get a hot shower, because electricity is running out, it's absolutely beyond totally, it's insulting, actually. So I think she needs to have a, a bit of a reality check and start speaking to people. Uh, much like the YouTube account recently put out all, all the great things that they're doing, it was completely out of sync with what reality is on the ground. So,
0: yeah. yeah I'll, I'll just add something to that, if I may. The, the myth, Brent, you alluded to, that somehow <clears throat> people sending their kids to private schools have just sacrificed some little thing and they, some luxury. The implied the implied insult again there is that, well, some people are frugal and go to, can go to private schools, but they waste... The wasteful working classes or other wasteful people can't. It's a myth.
3: Same as the food banks, isn't it? Oh, yes. We've heard ministers before. Yes. I debated at the last general election, the constituency next door to me, an MP who was an MP candidate, who said people who use food banks just don't know how to budget correctly. <laughs> is that what schools do? I mean, we're running out of money because maybe our head teachers don't know how to budget correctly. That mantra just, just basically falls very flat in the face in reality.
2: Well, that does lead us as we talk about budgets in schools onto our next story. Now this story comes from Schools Week and it is reported as heads sound alarm as 2024 exam entry fees soar by up to 16.5%. This is a higher than inflation rise And for one of the larger exam boards, the AQA, it would see them net an extra £4.4 million uh, from the education sector this year. Now, there's uh, probably multiple things to discuss here. For myself, you know, it wasn't something when I was thinking about costs going up, we think about fuel, we think about um, uh, electricity costs, we think about pay going up. I did not think about this one as being a factor. Um, And I want to go to John first on this one. You know, what is happening with school budgets? I think that's, you know, how are we going to deal with this? You know, this is a massive increase.
0: Well, yes, there are absolutely. And school budgets, and as Brent was saying earlier, when there's a suggestion that somehow things must be afforded by a a more uh, careful use of the budget, They were completely out of touch with the reality of schools. But this, in what universe did we arrive at a situation where private companies like Pearson and so on, and AQA and so on, and the exam, um, the large multinational publishing companies make a profit and make money out of exams? It's it's one of those things that sort of sneaked up on you. The idea that there is a a corporation that has a, a synergy between textbooks exams students needs and and a captive audience the student, the teachers have to have those textbooks which are invariably called something like essential guides to this particular exam that your students need or some title like that and then the exams themselves which the t- 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 the schools are mandated to provide so it's just money being dragged out of the education system by private corporations it's appalling really it's, if 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 students have to do exams that there's
2: it shouldn't be in the hands of private companies. Now I'm gonna go to Leanne because this one does strike as unfair as sort of John said there. We have, children have to sit GCSEs. You know, much like we have to have the heating on, we have to have the lights on. There are some things that schools don't really have a choice in paying for. And it would be hard pressed for a head teacher to turn around and say, actually, we're not entering for children for GCSEs this year because the cost is too high. Um should the funding formula be adjusted to to meet the needs of things that actually are essential for a school as opposed to blaming it on the budgeting of schools and head teachers?
1: i think I wanted to pull out one quote which is not so much about the money but more so what it says um, we cannot understand why there is such variation between different exam boards and subjects and I feel like as schools and as teachers we're required to comply so much with what the government want with what Ofsted want to see. And then these outside companies come along in high school and in primary school and seem to almost take advantage of the fact that, like you say, Nathan, that we need them to do our jobs, something we need to do our jobs. Um, And that kind of stuck out for me.
2: Yeah, Yeah. certainly. I'm going to throw to Brent there. You know, there are probably a number of things that people, you know, myself included, haven't even thought about the price of them going up. You know, if the cost of uh, our um, register systems like SIMS goes up, you know, there are things that we pay for that we don't even think about paying for. And exams was one for me that I thought was. You know, whether it was inflation proof or whether whatever reason, we know there's been problems with some of the exam boards getting markers and okay, maybe they do need to pay a bit more to have the exams marked, but where is this money gonna come from?
3: Well, this is the thing the government says they're giving a record amount of funding to schools, which is completely duplicitous because schools paying out a lot more money to private enterprise because things used to be provided for schools by central government, like examinations. We have marketized education now, and schools are at the mercy of the free market when it comes to supply teaching. (laughs) What they're making an absolute killing. We have privatized education by stealth, and this is the the reaper being sold because at the end of the day, schools are now at the mercy of the exam boards. And the exam boards are playing a game. Who's got the best exam rates? Let's let's see who can get in. It's a business, and a business there is to make a profit. It's not there to educate children, it's there to make a profit. And when you see that situation borne out during COVID, I, I'm really surprised after the rogue algorithm and the kick up that was after the rogue algorithm. Our examination system has not been looked at. I think it's a national scandal. I think the differences between the regions is a national scandal. The differences between the exam boards is a national scandal. Our children have been shortchanged. It's game theory. And I'll give you one classic example. Children, working class children in poor schools, don't get their exams remarked if they're a grade or two out. Private schools would send practically most of their scripts off. And we've seen lots of variations in some subjects, in particular history last year. We even have, you know, the situation, some exams are still not marked at the moment. So that is a national scandal. And it's not fair in these children who work so, so hard that they're being shortchanged by a system which is basically there to benefit a certain group of individuals. And the last thing I'd say about it is that, you know, trusts are in debt. Some trusts are in debt and borrowing money. And they will have the choices to make and say, I'm sorry, we can't offer some GCSEs to your children because, I mean, you have that coupled with this ideal, you know, low value degrees. I worry about the direction of travel with some children who are going to get an education
2: in six months in the world. And we're going to go to John just for the last comment on this one. Are we heading financially then to a system of uh, education where it's the haves and the have nots, the schools that can afford to do uh, broader GCSEs and extra GCSEs and uh, can afford these things, and, and the schools who can't and are having to make costs.
0: Yes, m- moving to a system of have and have-nots, well, that, that, that's a neat description of the British education system. There, we've already got that right now. As Brent said, during, during COVID... They're shocked, it was like that scene in Casablanca where he said, I'm shocked to see this gambling going on. I'm shocked to see that the exam system is so chronically unfair and favours certain privileged parts of our education system that private schools do better. I'm shocked, but it's always there. That's what we've got. You've got massive inequality, unfairness, embedded deeply within our system. It goes back to our previous question about the class assumptions that underpin a lot of things. Well, yeah, uh, it's, it's, unfair it's unfair. Exams expose that and the the the, the simple is little better than a scam which is the uh, the way schools are exploited through the books they have to buy the exams they have to admit, they have to deliver and the board, and the companies that make money out of it, it it's little better than a scam
2: Okay, welcome back. Um, it is worth saying that, as always, uh, this show is brought to you by Pearson EdXL's new uh, GCSE uh, French, German, and Spanish. Uh, that caters for the needs of all learners regardless of their background their ability or reason for studying it's rooted in learned language knowledge their assessments are transparent accessible allowing students to showcase their language skills through inclusive and relatable content Uh, the new Pearson MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding and appreciation of the wider world and you can find out more by going to go.pearson.com slash mfl um our final story then is about behavior and we find ourselves talking about a sunday times article um and the title of it was pupils should sign behavior contracts says think tank uh this is a think tank uh founded by a former david cameron advisor and some of the things that they have suggested are uh, behavior accounts where children receive financial debits and credits uh based on their behavior Um, Identity cards, so that when students are in public, uh, their behavior can be tracked back to their school. And of course, they've also tacked on their uh, behavior scores being included in your UCAS scores for when you apply for college or university. We're gonna start with Leanne on this one. Um, Leanne, um, some of these suggestions seem uh, a little far-fetched maybe. Some of them, as far as a behavior contract, that's what most schools have in the first place isn't it
1: yeah i have heard of behavior contracts so we don't have them but i, I kind of wanted to pick up on the one quote that says school should be further empowered to issue prizes bonuses or penalties slash fines and um, I, I work in reception and i get a lot of um like well done that was amazing and i get a lot of can i have a sticker and sometimes i give and sometimes i say no because actually and a lot i think behavior in general you, you should want to do it because maybe it's the right thing to do because it's the right way to act and I don't think you should want to do it because you're getting a reward for doing it right but I think that's a whole school ethos that has to be put in place Um, and I disagree with that part of the article uh, somewhat
2: Um, We're going to go on to Brent next then. Brent, um, would uh, a couple of extra pounds have made a young Brent behave a little better in school? (laughs)
3: No, no, um, and all of these things would have made me worse at school. Um, my Orwellian radar is going bing bing. My social credit system in China is going bing bing. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not teaching children to be pigeons to peck on to get seeds. This is Pavlovian, B.F. Skinner's. You're basically having you know salivating at this. Um, you know what I mean? If you know psychology, this is very dangerous. This is this is encouraging obedience complicitly. I don't want children to obey because they're scared of me. I don't want children to obey me because I'm the law. Um, as Cartman would say, respect my authority. Um, I want children to, to basically, you know, work with us. Um, they, they need to come up with ideas for young people. Youth clubs. I mean, they're talking about bringing, bringing back Biker Grove. It'd be good if they actually brought back a whole generation of actual Biker Groves rather than the actual TV series because that was the thing back in the 90s with youth clubs. I went to a youth club. Which, which, which looked after me, and there were youth workers, and there was a social care system, and there were startup clubs, and there was all those things that young people need. Um, and that's what they need. They don't need to be, you know, um, behaviorized that way or incentivized. And that's again back to this idea of, you know, people are incentivization, monetization of things. The reward should be sometimes the respect they get from me. And that is more than enough reward sometimes for the children, is my respect and the respect to their teacher, the respect to their parents, and those things cannot be bought, it's priceless, so putting a money value on people's behaviour absolutely sickens me, to be perfectly
2: honest with you, I, I would rail against it completely. Emma, um, we're going to go on to John, um, you know, behaviour going on your permanent record as a as a 12 or 13 year old, how does that sit with you? Well, uh, where to
0: start? I mean, not not only is it a failure to understand students, and it's based upon fear and a simplistic understanding of what motivates them. So, yeah, yeah it's obviously big stick and fear. It's also an, uh, it's 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 another example of the way in which schools will reflect the kind of things that are wrong with society. You'll get you'll get them. They they're a good barometer. How you treat children, what you say about children, whether you're afraid of them. So, if you're a society that's afraid of its children. really afraid of itself and it's afraid of the things that are going on in the world around us so they become simply a kind of um, metaphor for things we're really afraid of Uh, lack of control as we can't control the world can't control the economy can't control all sorts of things in the world so we can at least control children you know put them in uniforms discipline them we need schools which make them walk one side of the corridor this way one side of the corridor that way and that's the way it was when we were young and so on. It's a, it's a kind of populist nonsense and based upon fear and spite. And, um, and, it's, and and besides, absolutely, not only is it 1984 and Orwellian and so on, it's, it's, it's kind of Foucauldian, it's, this, it's the panopticon. It's the, the watching society, watching young people. And if we could only control them, then we would get, you know, we would get a better,
2: better world. Uh, it's, it's, it's madness. Um, and I'm going to go to Leanne. Now, Like people could argue that young people are facing a, you know, we are facing a crisis at the moment. And it was reported in another news article uh, that Manchester this week, as the schools broke up, um, hundreds of uh, young people descended on the city centre and there were arrests for antisocial behaviour. Um, if not a big stick, then, then w- w- where are we to go?
1: Well, we have to teach values, I think. Um, and maybe you don't need a behavior contract maybe you need like a values and ethos contract and it has to be from the parent-teacher relationship and it has to come from the government It has to come from Ofsted that values our expectations that have to be instilled in school um, and I think a lot of talk is about money in education yes it's important but there are also I think like I say values have to be instilled how do we teach those into children um, I don't think giving a sticker teaches a value. I think it teaches I don't know, business management or <laughs> purchasing. No. I don't know, but it doesn't teach values. It well,
0: it teaches them what it teaches students what they are objects.
1: Yeah. To be controlled.
0: Yeah. It dehumanizes mm-hmm.
1: them. Yeah. It's a transaction. It's, yes. transactions don't teach values and ethos and morals. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's missing in, in education sometimes.
3: Absolutely. Consequences. Yeah, that you know, is, yeah, consistency and consequences I mean young yeah. Brent knew there were consequences because young Brent had to face his mother and grandmother um, and <laughs> when Brent did something wrong and let me tell you the 4 foot 11 mother and grandmother I was more afraid of them than was the police to be perfectly honest with you yeah. so no. it's things like that it has to come back to the home doesn't it yeah, it's, no, the
1: it's the wrong words I think like you say Brent not sanctions maybe consequences sanctions not no. stickers ethos and morals it's being
2: spoken about in the wrong way, uh, Brent. On this, then, you know, it suggests one of the, the comments is identity cards in public. We've talked about the civil disturbances in uh, in Manchester. Um, is this another thing being put on schools to fix? Then, young people in the community are causing problems, so let's give them identity cards so the schools can deal with those problems. Sorry, uh, I lived in the police state, and uh, I resented my ID
3: being stopped and searched we have a situation at the moment where we have on an uneven uh, identity cards could be used against some individuals I worry about identity cards I really do and I have lived experience of uh, abusive power when it comes to identity cards so I would I would I would walk from teaching I would walk from this country if this country started doing that again uh, the trauma I suffered was enough that I would not want children to be carrying identity cards like that. Um, that starts to make me feel like we're living in 1930s. I really, you know, I get visions of. Can I see your papers, please? When I hear that, I just—that's yeah. me. I'm more. Maybe I'm more uh, extreme on that re- reaction against that. But children aren't there to be identified like that. And if if people are are doing the whole thing about kids these days, they need to remember about their own childhood and the previous childhood. I think Socrates said something about kids these days. Kids are always going to be kids. Kids are always going to misbehave. It's in the nature of children. But we have to be mindful of there is generational differences. These children actually, if you look at youth crime, youth crime has gone down because they're inside a lot more. If you actually look at the statistics, youth crime has gone down. When it's bad, it's worse than it's ever been. But we're dealing, as always, with a small minority of individuals. Why punish the majority for a small minority of individuals? We know that as teachers, we never do that, and that's what if these type of laws come in, you'd be punishing the majority for for the sins of a of a handful of individuals, and not just in for.
2: And I I want to go to John just for the last sort of comment on this one is, is about how long, you know, if we are making formal records here with identity cards and adding to cast points, you know, how long should we expect a young person, you know, as I say, possibly 12 or 13, who's made a silly mistake to live with that mistake?
0: Oh yeah. Imagine you could video yourself as an adolescent and have that carried with you as some sort of video record of, would, this is you this is the sort of things you said and did when you were young and you carried that over you so people could observe I' oh, will just, just check on you. the past you let's have a quick look. It would be horrifying. none of us, us want that now, we, we, all, we all do lots of monstrously stupid things when we're young. Many of us don't behave as we should at school and so on and, uh, and this this idea that there is a kind of um, uh, well it's it's the, it's the it's a I hope I've never said it, but it's that lie that sometimes teachers will say to kids, well, this this will affect you you won't get a good job in the future. You know, you, you know, this, this will affect your future. Well, you've got enough things to be anxious about when you're a teenager than to be to make you afraid of your own future. So leave, leave them alone. let them be children. And the other thing is that gangs of kids ram, rummaging ram, rampaging around the city center well that's been going on since the third century BC. I mean kids kids do mad stuff. And it's been happening. I remember incidents like that in the nineteen seventies, or you can go back to Teddy Boys and on 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 Brighton Seafront. It's it's just a moral
2: panic. Mm-hmm. It's what it's what kids do. They will do it occasionally. Right. Well, that leaves us one last thing to do, and after this, we are going to be talking about our favourite shows of the week. Okay, and so uh, we're going to start with Leanne on this one. Your favourite show from the week on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Uh, Mine was actually John's. uh, Artists, Teachers and Teaching Creativity. Um, We had uh, Professor Tom Dobson on, who has done research on teaching creativity. And I always thought in my skit, I was taught how to teach the subjects but you're never really taught how to be creative, and maybe they just assume teachers are creative, but maybe all aren't. And so, yeah, creativity is right up my alley. Anything to do with it is on my uh, radar.
2: Fantastic. Uh, well done, John. Well, in that case, we'll go to John next. And uh, who did you choose? Well, this is going to look a bit, you know,
0: Brent. Yeah, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like Brent. I really like your show. Not only is it, do you do you have the sort of Brent's dulcet tones? And uh, accent, which I, I don't know why, it's one of those things you can just listen to. <laughs> I just thought, oh, yes, it <laughs> now you don't sure. kids feel <laughs> there is wisdom there. <laughs> but it, also, as someone who's outside of teaching now, and you, and you want to know what's going on, it's what it's what Teachers Talk Radio does. It's, it's best. It's an insight into something. Brent was talking about the strike action, uh, the pay negotiations. It was a great discussion. And uh, and an alternative to that brief
2: headlining, you get in the news on these sorts of things. So it was great, great listen. Fantastic, and so uh, Brent, what was uh, something that stood out for you this week?
3: Well, I, I was in a residential, so I had very little signal. So I saved what I had for the, the firecracker. Tom just lit the Socratic firecracker. He just put a tweet out there and boom, I don't know why he did it on purpose, but it just exploded into a really, really good, robust debate. Um, I, th- I don't think I've heard such a fantastic debate. It could have been on all night. Um, you know about our children more lazy, and and we saw really both sides, uh, and really robust debate. I, I actually really really enjoyed, it and I, I got to contribute just a little bit into it as well. Um, but the, the quality was exceptional globally as well, and I thought it's just just exactly what you know John was saying. It's just what teacher talk radio was all about. So I just absolutely enjoyed that um, debate um,
2: from Tom on Monday night. That was well worth listening back to. Fantastic. And uh, mine for the week, uh, if you're listening to uh, interested in things like teacher training, well, uh, Poppy on the Friday morning break was talking to a great guest, Jenny Fogarty. They were talking about all things teacher training. Really, really interesting uh, show and, and, and not something that I'd normally pick out. It's not part of my work, but I did find it a really interesting guest, really strong show. Um, So that does leave us. Um, Hopefully uh, we'll work around. Leanne, are you uh, still teaching, still in school? Yeah, I finish on Friday. Oh dear. John, uh, got the flip flops on yet? <laughs> uh, I, I'm happily retired, so every day is a flip flop day. So every day is a flip flop day. Brent? I'm on
3: the, uh, my wife was taking the children away for a day, so uh, I'm on a rest day before I have the kids tomorrow. So I'm, I finished on Friday, not the same as my colleagues. I was on a bus till uh, seven o'clock on a Friday night, bringing 48 kids back from a residential wow. on the last week term. So, but it was worth it. It was last week, best last week of term I've ever had, you know, work rock climbing with with 12
2: and 13 year olds, which was fantastic. So yeah, I'm, I'm done now. Fantastic. I'm, and I am, yeah, uh, flip flopped up and I'm ready to hit the beach uh, <laughs> for the summer. We will be here. Um, teachers talk radio for the whole of summer there'll be shows for you to listen to so if you are traveling away uh, save some of that international roaming data download it before you go and you'll have something to listen to by the poolside Uh, thank you everyone for today and we'll see you next time you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio